As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Ultimately, I'm going to keep saying it, get 1% better every day, just get a little bit better every day. Hey, Stephen Holder here with Zach Kiefer. We're back. Another episode of 1% Better, and wow, I am exhausted. Did you watch that game, folks? Did you see what happened on Sunday? Look, I'm a neutral observer, but I enjoy good football, and that was one hell of a game on Sunday. Colts 34, Packers 31 in overtime. Colts are 7-3, and three, sitting atop of the division. Big game next week. I mean... Look, you wanted the team to be relevant this year. They're relevant. They're relevant as hell right now. And that yesterday was just a, a as, besides being a roller coaster of a performance, and I'm sure your emotions were a wreck, it did take some stuff to pull that out. 14 points down at halftime against Aaron Rodgers and the machine. And they shut him down for 59, or excuse me, for. 29 minutes of the second half, I don't know. Zach, we've seen a lot of big victories from this team in our time around this club, you know, I would say in the last 8 to 10 years. But this one stood out a little bit. Um, it, it was up there with some of the bigger ones in terms of regular season wins. Does it rank pretty high for you? Yeah, it does. And, and that's what Jim Irsay said. He said one of the mm-hmm. biggest wins we've had here. And Jim Irsay is prone to hyperbole. We all know that. But... My question to the fans out there that watch this one is, how many heart attacks did you have? I mean, they, they tried to give this one away, and they darn near did. And, and I watched the tape this morning, and I still can't believe the end result. But I think you were on to something when you said, you know, this took something. This took something. And, and it wasn't pretty at the end, but they found a way. And it looked like they were going to find a way to do the opposite. And I think that says something about this team. And, and the thing that jumped to my mind was what Frank Reich said after they lost to Baltimore a couple of weeks ago. And I wrote this. is like, look, they're pretenders, man. They can't beat anybody good. They can beat up the bad teams and they can't hang with the good ones. That was my takeaway after they lost to Baltimore. What have they done the last two weeks? They went to Tennessee and beat the heck out of the, t- the Titans in the second half. They came home and they came back and beat Green Bay Packers, and a very, very hot Aaron Rodgers. That took some metal. That was a big-time victory that took every piece of the team that proved to me that the Colts are not pretenders. They're contenders. They're for real. They're legit. 
and it's time to start talking about the playoffs. So let's flash back a little bit to even before the game. What did we talk about in our last episode? We said this game was an opportunity. And I know this isn't college football, and you're not playing for the polls and all that. We established all of that. But this team is often seen in a light where it's exactly what you just said, right? What you wrote a few weeks ago that, eh, they're good. They're not elite. They can't beat elite teams. They beat up on bad teams, all of which was very much justified. Those things were very much justified in being said. And this was a game last week, certainly, I think, started them down this path. And then this week against Green Bay, this was another opportunity. And I think it's not just that they won, won, it's how they won. All right? Because Aaron Rodgers got it going early. He's, He's amazing. I mean, they had the misdirection going. The defense was dizzy. They didn't know which way was coming and which way was going. Defense and looked slow. I mean, like I haven't said that all year about this defense. Would you agree? In the well, first be- half, it looked like they were a little slow. It's because the misdirection puts them on their heels. And, right. and I think you know one of our colleagues in the press box actually said this, and it's absolutely true. The Packers did a great job of using – the Colts' greatest asset against them. What is their best defensive asset? They run to the ball. Well, when you give them misdirection, they're coming, okay? So they're going left, and they're going a million miles an hour, except, guess what? It's a bootleg to the right. And You're so, exactly right. And so that's what killed them. And then what happened in the second half? Matt Eberflus put on a clinic. And he was like, all right, let me show you something, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, that's, that is basically what happened. It was over. Three and out, three and out, punt. Turnover on downs. <laughs> I mean, that's what they did in the second half until their their game tying field goal. So, anyhow, just to stay with the big picture, though, yeah, I mean, this was this. There was no bigger test this year, and it's not just that they passed it; it's how they did it. Uh, they showed, as you said, metal. They showed fortitude. They showed every. They showed the entire range of of skill sets: offense, defense, special teams. Everybody played a role. And I mean, I think that's that's the sign of a team that can win at win any game in any situation against any team. I I really mean that. There is no one this team can't beat. They won't necessarily beat everyone. Let me be clear, but there's no one this team can't beat because they can win in any conceivable way. I'm totally with you, and I didn't know that. I didn't have the answer to that no. in the year, and I would have said no because of a lot of things. But the biggest thing that I took away from the tape was maybe what was holding them back in spots earlier in the year, the starting quarterback. I was so impressed with Phillip Rivers yesterday, and I just watched the tape, and I'm even more impressed. This dude's playing with a bum toe. He's laying out blocks. He's throwing in the face of a lot of pressure. I mean, there was a guy in his face on a lot of these throws. Go back and watch the Trey Burton touchdown. That is a dime. I mean, you heard Troy Aikman on the broadcast just raving about this dude's accuracy. He was incredible yesterday, and I think that put to bed any of the talk out there of whether they should have gotten Phillip Rivers in the offseason. You saw it yesterday. Biggest game of the year going against an all-time great at the position, and Rivers held his own. He was terrific, and um, they don't win that game without a quarterback who can step up and make the team better. And I, I just think over the last couple of weeks, with the exception of the second half against the Ravens, Rivers has been on fire. And I think he's been the absolute key to this team getting going. They just climbed from good to elite. And the biggest thing for me was, was 17 and how well he's played the last couple of weeks. 
I don't think that we can emphasize this point nearly enough. When they signed Philip Rivers, I think there were many, many mixed emotions about that. Yeah. And mixed reactions, I guess is a better word. And I was among those people having a mixed reaction because I didn't really know what to think or how to think. And I was I was uncertain about it, to be honest with you. Um, I think what we've learned is trust Frank Reich. <laughs> Completely honest <laughs> that's with you. That's what hey, that's what Chris Ballard did. Right, that's exactly. This right. is the quarterback his his head coach wants to go get. All right, I'll give him twenty five million. Yeah, and and I think one of the things that I've learned is it it did take some patience. It was, and I think that was something that we didn't necessarily appreciate. I think part of the problem is Philip Rivers being this thirty eight year old veteran quarterback. You expected it to be instant, and I did too. I mean, somewhat. I realized this was a year unlike yeah. any other. And the offseason, uh, abbreviated training camp, no preseason. I knew all those things, right? But I still think you had some expectation that, okay, it's going to take a couple weeks, but when it, when it gets going, it's really going to get going. And then we were maybe four weeks in, and we still weren't sure, okay, where is yeah. this going? And you know, then there was the Chicago game, and I was like, oh, my goodness. They're going to have to win with defense this year. They can't score. And the Cleveland game. <laughs> yes. And I'm going to tell you, I mean, I didn't think it would take as long as it did. And I don't think Frank Reich thought it would take as long as it did either. But there, it is unquestionable now. This is not uh, one week up, one week down. This has been a constant progression here. And I think it's it's more of a trend. It's definitely a trend. This goes back to before the bye week, I think. The Cincinnati game, honestly. And then yeah. you went into Detroit after the bye. Masterful performance. I thought, as you mentioned, Detroit, excuse me, Baltimore, look, it was what it was. They didn't rise to the occasion. No question about it. And Phillip Rivers particularly did not rise to the occasion. But other than that, I have no complaints. Like, none. (laughs) I mean, this is, look, it was worth the patience if this is what they're going to get, you know, with Phillip Rivers. I don't know. Think about. were Were we just wrong or did they just figure it out? I don't know. I think it's both, and, and I think you can't underestimate the, the two losses they've had. Like like Paris Campbell. Remember how good he was in yes. the opener? Like, that hurts. That's a guy that can get you some yards in space, and he can steal some yards and make Phillip Rivers' life a lot easier. And then secondly, Marlon Mack, obviously. Like, Phillip Rivers was jacked about coming here to play with Marlon Mack because he knew how good of a running back he is. So Marlon Mack going down remains to be remains a huge, huge loss. And then I think Rivers was just settling in, and I think a couple things go into this. You know, in Cleveland, his worst game of the year, they didn't have Costanza. We know how much of a loss that is. He was under a lot of pressure. That gets in the quarterback's mind, even a veteran like Rivers, and he made some terrible mistakes. Yesterday, they had a turnstile at right tackle, right? It was Chaz Green. It was LaRaven. It was Chaz. It was LaRaven. Um, Rivers was unbelievably good yesterday, under a lot of pressure from that front seven from Green Bay. I just watched the tape, and some of those throws are – Simply throws the Colts were not getting last year. We're talking in the bread basket, under a lot of pressure. Um, the one, the out route to T.Y. down on the sideline. Like, find me a better throw made yesterday by a quarterback. Besides the one Aaron Rodgers yeah. made from his own end zone. But that's what you need, and that's what was missing last season, especially in the second half. That's just the reality. The Colts were not good enough with 7-9. and nine. They were not going to accept that. They needed to get better. They were willing to pay for it. They paid him $25 million. Last year they were five and two. They went two and seven down the stretch. There were a lot of issues that went into it. 
but chief among them was the quarterback play, the regression. They didn't have a downfield passing attack. Now they're getting better. Now they're ascending as we get towards December. And they're 7-3. and three. They're tied atop the division. And if, boy, if they take care of business Sunday against Tennessee and sweep the season series, this team's going to start thinking about a division championship in a home playoff game. And Phillip Rivers has been absolutely instrumental in that. Not to take anything away from Jacoby, who made some plays yesterday as well. We finally start to see what Frank's doing with the dual quarterback thing and the package for Brissett. Um, but I think Rivers, over the last three or four weeks, has become the Colts quarterback, right? It kind of felt a little yeah. weird at first. He wasn't playing great. Now it really feels like this is his team. Yeah, I think they were always bought in, I think his teammates. Yeah. But as for the rest of us, look, you know, we are, we're allowed to be skeptical. And I think skepticism is healthy. It, it definitely is healthy when you're talking about a 38-year-old quarterback. So I regret nothing, <laughs> okay? I mean, let me be clear. But it's like, show me, don't tell me. Well, damn it, he showed us. And that's just what it is. I'll tell you this. You know, you watched the Sunday night game last night. Here you got you know, Patrick Mahomes, uh, Derek Carr, and it ended up being a real you know, intense quarterback battle, right? You know, those guys exchanging blows down the fourth, to, the, to the fourth quarter. And listen, when you're going up against a guy like Patrick Mahomes, you can play great defense and you can do some things that way, but it ultimately is going to take something from your quarterback. I mean, yeah. what the Colts did in Kansas City last year is like the outlier of outliers, okay? <laughs> you're not necessarily – you're not typically going to go up against a high-powered offense and do what they did, basically run your way to a victory. That just isn't typical. And so that was that was, that was was sort of a, a diamond-in-the-rough situation. That just doesn't happen. So I guess my point is, generally, when you go up against you know a guy like Aaron Rodgers, you're going to have to have your quarterback make some plays. And at the end of the day – Philip Rivers, man, listen, I am not putting him in the same class as Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I'm taking Aaron Rodgers 10 times out of 10 um, and twice on Sunday. But look, here's the deal. He actually responded every time, I think, in that first half even, there were times when Philip Rivers responded. Now, they got a couple short fields and and that, you know, sort of gave Green Bay an edge there. But Philip Rivers responded, man. You know, Packers went down the field, Colts went down the field. And even when it got to even when it got to, to 21, 21-7, Colts came back, responded again. Uh, I think that's Phillip Rivers and unfazed Phillip Rivers. As you said, you talked about a, a, some of the throws that he made. I thought two of his touchdown passes in particular were brilliant. The one to Trey Burton, unbelievable throw. Uh, the timing, uh, impeccable, unbelievable. Incredible anticipation. Uh, yes. And then the one that... I think no one will remember or talk about is the one to Jack Doyle. He threw that ball right between two defenders. You talk about threading a needle. I know it was a, how many yards was that? I think it was a, a four yard touchdown pass, but yeah, that, um, that's a lot of trust. Six, six yard pass. Right. But you're talking about a guy at the goal line, the two defenders right on top of him, knowing your guy's going to get hit and threading that needle to the guy. I mean, that was a great throw and, and it's, it's confidence. It's, accuracy it's all of those things and listen I'm telling you there's not many quarterbacks who can go toe-to-toe with Aaron Rodgers like that when when the Packers put 31 on the board I mean you you've got to outplay them and you, you've got to outdo them and keep responding and Philip Rivers did it man I, all I'm saying is you know I'm going to give Frank Reich a lot of credit man because 
He stuck by his guy. He he had to answer some really tough questions in previous weeks. And I posed a lot of those questions, and I don't regret it because the product wasn't good. But give him credit and give the quarterback credit. I mean, that was your question, remember? After probably Cleveland, it was literally on this podcast. You said against the good teams that are going to put up a lot of points, can you go blow for blow with them? Can you hang with them? Can you put up 30 and win? To that point, we didn't have a lot of evidence that they could, not against a good team. Phillip Rivers has changed that narrative the last couple of weeks, and, and I think you're dead on with that. And who's the guy that was behind all of it? It was Frank Reich. And there were some spotty moments early. We all watched the Cleveland game, and we all had some serious concerns about this team moving forward. And Rivers has answered those critics and silenced the doubts. And, I mean, he has absolutely put this team in a great position with six games to go. Long way to go. A lot of good teams left on the schedule, but they're in a really good position. And this just feels so much different than it did last year. I want to just briefly touch on Jacoby Brissett. You already brought him up, but I I think he deserves a little bit of um, specific attention here. Look, what he did wasn't heroic. Like I'm not going to overstate it, but there's a couple things at work here. Number one, first of all, I can tell you this from talking to sources. Like Jacoby Brissett was not in a great place when Philip Rivers signed here. Okay. And I wouldn't be either. Okay. I would have been pissed. Not because you think you played so great last year. He knows he didn't do well enough, but you just wanted that opportunity again. You always want the opportunity to to do better, right? And that opportunity was not going to come. Bottom line, right? Philip Rivers signed. He's a starting quarterback from day one. I asked actually asked Frank Reich that day and he was very clear. Uh yeah, Phillips our starter. Okay. Yeah. Just you don't pay him twenty five million to take <laughs> just, backup snaps. Oh yeah, this is not a competition, guys. Okay, let's just be clear. So like from day one, Philip Rivers was the starter. Jacoby, thanks for playing. We'll let you know if we need you. <laughs> okay. That's what it was. And here we are, ten games in and they really haven't needed them that much, you know? And so to put aside your ego, and you don't get to the NFL without having an ego, especially playing quarterback. <laughs> Good point. You know, you're you're the best at what you do at every stop along the way, and that's how you get to the NFL. So, yeah, you got an ego. You're damn good at what you do. So to put his ego aside is tough, especially at quarterback, as I said. So that's the first thing, and he did that, I think, you know, for the good of his team. And he's been rewarded for that, by the way, because his teammates appreciate that about him. I really do think that. And then the other thing is, I think understanding the the coaches understanding the difference in the skill sets of their quarterbacks, and understanding that the Philip Rivers in those short yardage situations, he is kind of a you know you are kind of hamstrung. Let's just be honest, you are kind of hamstrung with Philip in those short yardage situations. He is no threat to run. The read option is kind of a joke. Like why are you running read option? <laughs> like no one thinks he's going to run. So. I just I like the fact that they're using all the bullets in the gun. Okay? They're using every bullet they got, and Jacoby is one of them. And I give him a lot of credit. Jacoby for jumping on board and being ready to do it and and serve his team. I give him all those guys, everybody involved, a lot of credit. Frank Rack, Nick Sirianni, Philip Rivers standing aside, right? Stepping yeah. aside. Says he's got no everybody. Everybody deserves credit. Um I had Jacoby for seven plays yesterday. The first Three of the first four went for first downs, and the seventh snap he took was that Jonathan Taylor touchdown that got called back. But right. 
Um, there's no doubt he gave him a spark yesterday. There's no doubt. I mean, on the QB sneak, they needed one yards. He got five. Troy Hickman called it the best QB sneak of all time. There's no doubt this guy has given them a spark and converted some really critical short yardage downs that, let's be honest, the Colts have had trouble with over the season. They've had some trouble in third and two and third and one. And since they started throwing Jacoby in there, they've they've really started to convert them. Yeah, and if nothing else, you're giving your opponents something they have to worry about. I mean, if you're the Tennessee Titans, <laughs> you know all about this, right? You you dealt with it a couple weeks ago. So, um, you know, they're, they'll be preparing for Jacoby Brissett. You better believe it. So that is never a, guys, a downside. A couple guys I want to call out and get your thoughts on just jumped out at me when I was watching the tape. So quiet day for the most part from T.Y. Hilton, but he had a huge third and 13 catch yep. on, a, on a huge down early. He caught it for 9 or 10. Then he dove. Move the chains. That was the Colts' first touchdown. That's a huge play early in the game because Rodgers and the Packers' offense had just scored very easily. Grover Stewart, man. I mean, on that mm. fourth down at the end of the game where the Packers were, were very much thinking touchdown, not field goal, it was Grover who had the pressure on Rodgers. Rodgers is backpedaling through an incompletion. Huge play. You know, probably doesn't show up on the stat sheet as one of the bigger plays in the game, but forcing the Packers to a field goal kept the Colts alive. Grover has been a beast this year. Jack Doyle's touchdown. I don't think he caught another ball the rest of the day. Um, huge play. And then we got to talk about the kid again. Game on the line. Aaron Rodgers on the other side of the line of scrimmage. And Julian Blackman. Um, let's put him in the, in the conversation for defensive rookie of the year. He has been unbelievable this year. No matter the situation, in the big moments, that kid just keeps stepping up. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. You know what I love about Blackman? That was not his best game in some respects because mm -hmm. there were some plays down the field where he was out of position, frankly. And if you notice, like we, we can talk about Rocky Asin committing interference down there uh, against MVS going into halftime, but at the same time, where's where is Blackman, right? He's yeah. that's where he's supposed to be. He's not there, right? So th there's a little bit of blame there on him. There were a couple of other plays along the way where 
I, I think there was the deep ball, right? Late in regulation when they're going yeah, into he tie. Was just a step slow. He's a little one. bit behind, right? So not his best game. I'd like to see him take out one of those receivers and and be there to 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 protect his guy over the top, right? So fine. I think you gotta take the good with the bad. But what I love is in spite of that, he keeps his composure and the guy the kid just keeps coming. He keeps fighting, and he has this knack now for late game heroics. We have seen this before. This is the, the, about the third or fourth time we've seen this in the fourth or fourth quarter or overtime with this guy. Go we back saw to this in Chicago with Darius. That's right. Remember the Raiders game. I mean, that's it, right. It's a killer guys instinct. Just have a knack. Yeah, some it's of these guys have a knack instinct. for that. So, and, wow. Remember now. Let's let me list them real quick. Go back to the Chicago game. He has the interception. In the fourth quarter, and also breaks up a huge pass uh, to help close that game out. Cincinnati, what happens? Joe Burrow over the middle. He comes in, intercepts that, basically game over. And now, again, Aaron Rodgers, big completion. Uh oh, here comes Blackman. Strip. I mean, he just has an ability to find the football and and make game changing plays at the at the right time, too. And that is, is exactly what you just said about Darius. It's not that Darius makes plays. It's when he makes plays. And I love that Darius highlights that as as one of the reasons he thinks he's an elite player. He's like, uh, you know what he said last week, right? He said, lots of linebackers make a lot of tackles. I don't care about that. He says, I want to make game-changing plays. Like, he doesn't give a shit about tackles. <laughs> Even yeah. though he wants to make 15 every game. But that's right. another story. Yeah, no, Blackman has been a revelation. I, I I can't believe how good this kid has been. Uh, We'd probably be remiss if we didn't mention the head coach and just the job he's done over the last okay. couple of weeks. And, and, you know, I see the tweets during the first and second quarters. I mean, people out there are pretty down on Frank Reich. But what he's done with this team in a very difficult year with a lot of moving parts and some key injuries, um, I think it's pretty impressive. And I think I think people are starting to come around to that idea that even those who are criticizing Reich for some of the play calls, um, Colts are in pretty good hands, and I think that's been evident this season. It's kind of like the quarterback situation, right? It, you know, are there some? Is there? Excuse me, some room to nitpick? Yeah, oh sure. But on the whole, I think that's yeah. how you have to judge these things. You know, it's like, yeah, I didn't love that clock management either. <laughs> at the end of the game. Now, after the fourth down conversion, I didn't love that. Strange, yeah, and that needs to be revisited. And we will do, we will revisit that today. We talked to Frank uh, this afternoon, and we will always rehash those things. But fine, whatever. But again, the fact is, he put his team in position to be there in the first place, and and I think just getting this team, as you said, to kind of mesh is not an easy thing in the year that we're in. First of all, and then secondly, this team. They really do buy his his shtick. I gotta tell you, man. And sometimes yeah. I don't want to I don't want to downplay it by calling it a shtick, but like they buy it, man. I mean, the name of this podcast, one percent better. It's the corniest freaking thing, right? We know that. It's just to- yeah. It's totally we're making fun of him to be honest. And Frank even knows this. Like he yes. knows he's like, look, guys. Like I know you've heard this a million times. I'm gonna say it again. He believes it. And even even the quarterback's catchphrase, right? I asked Julian Blackman yesterday, like, what was going through your mind when Rodgers ties the game and you're going to overtime and they got the ball to start? And he's like, Nunchepi. He's like, what Rivers always says. <laughs> so Julian Blackman, the rookie safety, is, is telling himself Nunchepi and speaking in Latin before the extra session. But 
you know, to begin again, I really think that mindset has helped them because against Rodgers, you're going to give up the big plays. You got to move on. You got to bury the past. And I really do think they're buying into the leadership. And, and like you said, it starts with Reich and it starts with Rivers. And composure is is all related to that. You know, I think, you know, someone asked Frank after the game yesterday, hey, you know, you're down 14. Kind of seemed like, you know, Rodgers was getting hot. Did you did you worry? Did uh, did it seem like the game was slipping away? He's like, no, not really. <laughs> I mean, like he had like no, he had no sweat at all. And I think uh, that was echoed by Philip Rivers later on, saying that at halftime everybody was like pretty chilled, you know. And and I think when you really think about that, you know, you as the fan sitting at home, like man, they're down fourteen, and Philip Rivers, excuse me, Aaron Rodgers is killing them, <laughs> you know. That's what you're thinking at home. These guys are in the locker room like, eh, we got it. We got this. Now That's confidence. That's that doesn't confidence. always happen, but let me let me give you an example. Okay. In three of the Colts' past four wins, they've trailed at halftime. They won. That's a good <laughs> okay. stat. They've won those games. And we're talking about games against good teams. With the exception of Cincinnati, but Cincinnati was sizzling that day too, right? So let me interject just one second. Yeah, this is an unbelievable stat. In the last two games, in the second half, they've outscored the Titans and the Packers, two teams that made the conference championship game last season, forty-one to three. These are not like the Bengals and the Vikings and the Jets. Like these are really good teams, forty-one to three in the second half the last two weeks. I mean, you guys got a problem with that? <laughs> Come on. It's amazing. I mean, that is a, that is a stunning stat. It's stunning. I mean, that is dominance. I don't like to be hyperbolic. I really am not. I'm, if anything, I'm hyperbolic in a negative way, maybe. But <laughs> that is that is stunning. I mean, if you're the Green Bay Packers and you're on the flight home, you're sitting there thinking, man, we scored three points in the second half? What the hell? They were doing whatever they wanted in the first half. Like you said, I mean, Rodgers right. was rolling out, and he had options all day, and it was easy touchdowns. I mean, they were they were absolutely moving the ball up and down the field with ease. And I know there were two turnovers in the first half by the Colts defense. Darius jumped on that fumble, and then Rocky Sin had a great zone coverage read and interception, but Rodgers was rolling. They had 28 in the first half, and it looked like they were going to roll, you know, push this one out of reach, but... Um, like I said earlier, like the medal in the Colts, the confidence, the conviction, the coaching, the quarterback, all of that showed in the second half. And that further proves what I wrote this morning. They're, they're for real. They've proved it the last two weeks, and they're going to keep proving it. I really do think that. Seven and three now, six games to go. they got Tennessee coming up. they got a couple with Houston. They've got Las Vegas, who's a good team. They've got the undefeated Steelers in week 16. But... Um, they have answered the bell the last two weeks. There's no doubt. You just, a few minutes ago, hit on a few guys that you kind of wanted to, to call out. I actually have one other guy I want to add to that list. And his name is Jonathan Taylor. Can I just say, Good call. I am not putting the kid in the Hall of Fame, okay? We're not there yet. He's not getting the yellow jacket, gold jacket. But look, here's the thing. I saw some reads yesterday that are some of the best reads he has made all season, period. And if he's starting to figure that out, I don't know if maybe taking a back seat for a few weeks has been good for this kid, maybe. I, I don't know. Maybe it has. But for whatever reason, they ran some zone, some zone blocking runs on Sunday where basically they're not man blocking like, okay, 
and some of you know this, but just if you don't, in a man blocking scheme, the center is blocking player X, right? So Kelly's got the nose tackle and Nelson's got the defensive tackle, right? You know who you're blocking and you're looking for a gap. You're trying to create a gap. In the zone blocking scheme, it's kind of a, you kind of flow as a unit, as an offensive line. So you'll see all the guys come off the ball in unison and flow left or right. And it's the running back's job to find the cutback lane as those blocks evolve. Which is something Marlon is really, really good at. He really is. Well, Jonathan Taylor, for the first time, showed me, or one of the first times at least, showed some great, I think, instincts on on a couple of those plays. And those ended up being his biggest plays of the day. Um, that's all I really think they want. I mean, they don't have to go out and run for for 200 yards. I mean, we're past that at this point. They can throw the ball. Like, let them throw the ball. But they have to supplement it with the ability to run the ball. And I think if they were not able to really run the ball with some consistency yesterday, I think that second half would have been a lot harder for them, honestly. You um, notice the, the first, running game mattered. Absolutely. And, and this is what jumped out at me on the tape is the first drive of the second half, right? The Colts. <laughs> are down two scores, and what do they do? They run it five straight times to start the second half with Jonathan Taylor. He picks up 60 yards, and it really changed the tenor of the game because that's how it went the rest of the way. The Colts were in control. They had these long drives, gave the defense some rest. The defense came out on fire. They forced a three and out, and the Packers did nothing on their first four drives of the second half. It really felt like Taylor got the Colts going, and I know fans get frustrated with Reich and his commitment to the run game, but that really did change the game. It changed the feel of it for me, and I saw a lot of really good blocks in there from Quentin, from Costanzo. Jack Doyle had a lot of seal blocks, but you're right. Jonathan Taylor really did step up, and, and I knew that his role wasn't going to disappear. It was going to change. He's had some struggles this season, but that kid has stayed in it. He's a very mature kid, and he had a huge role in the, in the victory yesterday, and he deserves a lot of credit. And looks, and I... I'm not saying their running game is back, you know, to their standard. It's not. But that's two weeks in a row. I think they have had a lot of productive runs. Now, last week against Tennessee, you saw it from Naheem Hines and maybe a few from, from Jordan Wilkins. But yesterday it was Jonathan Taylor. So, you know, the the actual runner may change and probably will continue to change from time to time. But you're seeing a little more consistency in the running game. They're moving the chains with the running game. So, I, And I think that is a underrated aspect in the way the offense has played the past two weeks. Um, it's, it's not a small factor. It's not a small factor. And if they can continue to do that, then their offense only gets more lethal. So, I mean, if they can figure this out, and, and again, I'm seeing positive signs now. That's two weeks in a row. That's Is that a trend? We'll see. But I'm seeing positive signs. If they can continue to do this, uh, that's going to change the game, I think, down the stretch. Because they have become so one-dimensional. If they can get back to that, now that puts Frank Reich back in the driver's seat. And that changes things. So I'm, I'm very interested to see if that happens. Uh, I do want to just, you know, you, you mentioned a couple guys uh, individually on defense. But um, I, I think we should talk about Matt Eberflus a little bit. <laughs> okay. This guy, I think the last couple of games, really, uh, the second half performances by their defensive coordinator. This guy is shut. You just gave the numbers, right? Was it 41 to 3 in the second halves of the past two games? 41 to 3 against the Titans <laughs> okay. and, the, and the Packers. I mean, that's not all Darius Leonard and DeForest Buckner, right? I mean, somebody's pulling the strings. And listen, 
this don't sleep on what this guy is doing right now. Okay. These are these are two of the hottest offenses in the NFL. Forty one to three. Okay. <laughs> so and what I love most is, you know, I remember all of you guys during the Chuck Pagano era, you blow up my Twitter. Where are the second half adjustments? Where are the second half adjustments? And you weren't exactly. wrong. Exactly. You weren't wrong. You know, and I tweeted at halftime yesterday. Matt Eberflus has got his work cut out for him. He says, we knew what was happening. They weren't reacting well to the misdirection. They got to figure this out. I said, he's got his work cut out for him. How's he going to fix this? Well, I think he fixed it. And I don't know. I don't know if the guy's going to get a head coaching job or not, but let me tell you, he's going to be in the mix, and he deserves to be. I mean, I don't know. I just think the coaching on this team is is very, very high level right now. And you can nitpick, like I said, but – it's offense, it's defense, it's even special teams where where Bobby oh, Ventrone was on, was sidelined yesterday. On special teams, yeah. I mean, it's it's Glasgow, it's Cassius Marsh who forced a fumble yesterday. Mm-hmm. They just called him up like a week ago. It's George Odom who leads the league in special teams tackles. Tremont Smith had a big play yesterday. Um, this is a complete team with really good coaching, and you can see that in a lot of different spots. Look at the development from guys like Kari Willis. Mm. and look at Xavier Rhodes and the bounce-back season he's having, and look at Bobby Okariki. I mean, these are great position coaches, like you said, and Eberflus has been just terrific. You wanted second-half adjustments. You saw it yesterday, and it's not easy to do that against Adams and Rodgers and that offense, and the Colts are, are as complete a team as I've seen them be in quite a while, and it's going to be fun to see how this stretch plays out because I think they're good enough to hang with a lot of good teams. I'm not sure they beat them all because we know that's not how it works. But um, like you said a couple weeks ago, the defense is going to give you a shot every week. They're that good to give you a shot just about every week. They didn't do it against Baltimore the last two weeks. They've stepped up in a big way on offense, and that's why you've seen such such impressive victories. Yeah, no question about it. Uh, so, look, I, I think that the question now is, you know, how far can they take this? How good are they? And I, I think we just keep getting a little bit more of the answer every week, and we'll see. But we were talking about this in the press box last night. They're probably going to be favored in every game the rest of the way, maybe with the, the Pittsburgh game obviously being the one exception on the road. I don't think they're clearly not going to be favored in that game. But uh, Las Vegas is a tough one. They've, they've yeah. got to handle their business. And, and look, Tennessee could come in here and stomp them for all I know, but – I don't think that's likely. I think that's going to be a tough game for both teams. Uh, so all I'm saying is I like their chances in pretty much every game the rest of the way. And whether they win it is up to them. But you just talked about you know the defense keeping them in games and giving them a chance to win. Well, they're good enough. They can play with anybody. And I, I thought they would be a 10-6 and six team. But I also didn't bank on them. And this is before the season. But I also didn't bank on them like losing to Jacksonville and, you know, doing things of that nature so but i think in the end i mean they're seven and three with six to go i, I mean like 10 six probably it's probably a disappointment to be honest with you you know i'm thinking 10 they're or thinking 11. bigger yeah i don't want to get too far ahead and think 12 but uh i think 10 or 11 yeah which is which is kind of where you thought they'd be but a lot of had a lot had to happen right and we're gonna have a fun december because they're gonna have a lot of big games um, and possibly even a fun January. We'll see. But this is a, this is a complete team that doesn't have a lot of weaknesses now that the quarterback's playing better and the offense has got it going. And they're well coached, and they are they're figuring it out. They're really getting better as the season goes on, and that's what you want to see from a team. 
Yeah, so hey, on to Tennessee, and Tennessee's coming. I'll tell you that. They they put on a heck of a show yesterday. That was a tough, gritty win. Pretty impressive, actually. So the, this this AFC South race is it's going to stress you out, <laughs> but it's going to be fun, it looks like. So uh, just buckle up. I think that uh, if nothing else, you're, you're going to have you're going to have plenty to to do uh, during lockdown, which is apparently where we're at again in, in life. So you're going to have plenty to think about and plenty to talk about in uh, in the boring weeks to come because this team's going to be relevant and this AFC South race ain't going away anytime soon. So stay tuned. It's going to be fun. Uh, listen, we got we got some big stuff coming up here at the Athletics. So before we go, I want to just tell you. Uh, it's Black Friday everywhere else. Well, damn it, it's Black Friday here too. So stay tuned for our Black Friday promo. I believe the particulars are, is it Zach, $1 a month, I think? so. Yes, the best deal of the year. Yeah, so we did this a couple of years ago, I believe, and you guys crushed it. Like The subscriptions were through the roof. So uh, we really, really appreciate that. And this is just another great opportunity. So um, we're working on some stuff that we're really, really excited for you to read, including... Grover Stewart's backstory, which is just amazing. So I'll I'll share that with you here in the coming days. So stay tuned for that. So uh, I'm Stephen Holder with Zach Kiefer, 1% Better. We're back later this week with a preview episode. Looking forward to the Tennessee Titans and Colts game on Sunday. <laughs>